0: belly and the fish belly belly and the fish
1: welcome friends to belly and the fish i'm your host corbin aka the fish and as always we've got big old ben belly smokes hunter we are back what's going on corby I am good, man. Just recovering from a long weekend, but we'll get to that later. Joining us today, we've got Isaac Bowshot. Welcome back. What is your your third episode now?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Third one. Thanks for having me back, fellas. Happy to join anytime.
2: Yup, and in a little bit, we'll have our friend Joe, the garbage man, joining in.
1: John could not make it. He has one free day with his lady to get away from the baby, so. He's got to take advantage of that, but he is missing a good one because the draft is officially in the books and the Lions 2023 class is set. So I'm glad we get a little bit of a a couple of different perspectives coming into this week since we haven't talked to you or Joe in a while, Isaac. So yeah, we've been hyping up this draft for months and months now, and you know, it's kind of sad now that draft has come and passed just because there was such a build up to it for for weeks, and now we have to just look forward to the 2024 draft. I already saw a couple of guys get floated out there for potential first-round picks, so I'm already that deep into it, getting ready for next year, but I love the draft. It's my favorite time of year. I wish that I could have just spent the entire three days on my couches dedicating all my time, but had some other uh, prior engagements that I'd already committed to, so didn't get to really digest it like I normally do, but in all my free time, I've just been studying up on the Lions picks and everybody else in the NFL. So I feel like I'm caught up and I'm well informed now. Did you guys spend the draft?
2: Ooh, well, Friday, uh, Thursday night, I had a couple friends join a little uh, chat room on the old Discord. I ended up drinking nine Coronas solely for the fact of the song Nine Coronas. Um, went to work Friday and felt great. And then I did the same thing the following night. It was a good time. A uh, lot of good picks we're going to have to discuss and get each other's analysis on analyses analysis I don't know but whatever it's gonna be a good time
0: yeah for me I had the the opposite of you Corb I was I was lucky uh, the old lady was out of town for the weekend so I just had nothing better to do than sit on my ass and watch the draft start to finish I even watched the majority of the Saturday rounds uh, even though we only had a couple picks during those ones it's just mindless to turn on the TV and see football highlights in the middle of March or April all weekend
2: The only beef I have with rounds four through seven is, like, sometimes they don't even show you the guys
0: being picked. They'll, like, cut to commercial, and they'll be like,
2: yeah, so the last three picks were so-and-so, and and I'm
0: like, sick. Yeah, especially when the Lions pick a guy from William & Mary, and they didn't even mention his name.
1: (laughs) They never do that either. I feel like the Lions always get the commercial break picks, and they just never show the highlights or anything about them. But at the same time... How many highlights are you going to have of a William & Mary offensive lineman? I don't think they were prepared for that.
0: No, they didn't even have a picture for him.
1: That was also great
2: during our little chat. Corbin would pop in and out in a noisy bar and we couldn't even hear him. So I would just pop him on mute because nobody could hear anything when he was on. And he would just continue to talk for like five
1: minutes not knowing he was muted. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> You're so funny, Belly. I was just trying to get my, my We couldn't hear you. You would literally,
2: to talk to us, you would have to put the phone to your mouth, and then to hear it, you would have to turn your head to the side and try to listen. And you weren't responding, like, coherently to any of our questions. It was just you, a little tuned up,
1: just, like, shouting obscenities into the mic. I know, I couldn't even hear you either, honestly. And it wasn't even that busy of a bar as a thing, but we'll get into that after the uh, the bowels of the belly this week. But let's hop into the, the content for this week's episode, guys. So just want to quick go through one big piece of news that popped up in the NFL right before the draft, before we really start reviewing our picks and the rest of the NFL's. We've got a betting with the belly segment, another bowels of the belly, and I have my own personal bowels this week, so... And it is a doozy, so you're not going to want to miss that. But thanks for everybody who tuned into our Discord, followed along with that. Belly did a great job from what I could hear. But like you said, it was a noisy bar, so I was not much of a uh, valuable contributor to that. So I trust it went well, and thanks again. We'll have to do something like that next year for the draft.
2: Yeah, it was definitely a good time. Uh, just shooting the shit with my ragtag group of cronies and ripping
1: coronas. Not a bad way to spend the draft at all, but without further ado, let's hop into that one big piece of news I was talking about, and that is Lamar Jackson becoming the highest paid player in NFL history. He signed a five-year, $260 million deal, so that's $52 million a year. It's a long time coming, obviously a lot of controversy behind that with the non-exclusive franchise tag, Lamar requesting a trade, the Ravens bring in Odell. And it's just been a crazy offseason saga that rivaled that of Aaron Rodgers. So I'm glad that's came to an end and Lamar got paid. It's deserved, and now we can finally squash all those rumors about the Lions trading for him.
2: Yeah, it was never going to have it to begin with.
0: No, absolutely. And he got his uh, the majority of he wa- what he wanted guaranteed. I think he was helped out by, by Jalen Hurts a little bit, but he got his 185 guaranteed.
2: I thought something was going to happen like it does all the time in the NFL where a guy steps back and then he ends up losing millions of dollars. Um, who's that tight? Dalton Schultz it just happened to. I think he Cowboys offered him a three-year deal. He ended up taking a one-year 7 mil instead of a three-year 30-plus, something along those lines. So, eh, But it worked out for him. I guess it pays to be your own agent? I don't know.
0: I think it pays to be a former 22-year-old MVP. So. I
1: mean, that Ravens offense is built upon having Lamar Jackson under center, so I think that the Ravens had to get it done. I mean, they couldn't just let him walk away and roll out with, I can't even remember, Tyler Huntley? Isn't that the guy who was filling in for him when he was yeah. out?
0: That's that's a Pro Bowl quarterback, Tyler Huntley, to you. But <laughs> I, I agree. I, the Ravens are going to be interesting this year because they got a new offensive coordinator, and they actually seem like they're going out to get Lamar some of the weapons. So not only are they giving him the deal that he wanted, they they went out and got OBJ. They drafted a guy, Zay um, Flowers. So I think yeah, Zay Flowers. So I think they're going to be interesting to watch this year as uh, maybe not as run heavy as they has have been in the past.
1: I think J.K. Dobbins is healthy for the first time in his career. So maybe they can get a full season of production out of him. I loved him as a prospect coming in. So the Ravens are always right there in the playoffs. So maybe this is the year they take it over the top. We'll see. But the AFC is stacked, and they have not downgraded at all. So the Ravens still have their work cut out for them. But keeping Lamar is definitely the the biggest piece to the puzzle to figure out how to win a Super Bowl. So shout-out to Lamar. Good work. Hopefully we can get Jared Goff on a significantly lower deal than that. Let's hop in to the 2023 draft review. So we're going to be going over the first round, the rest of the team's picks, and we'll focus a little bit more on the Lions. And then once we get into the second round, we'll talk about some landing spots that we kind of liked. But for the most part, we're just going to be talking about the Lions prospects. And, you know, once you get to, like, past the third round. It's really a bunch of prospects that are traits-based, that have some higher upside. So, you know, we don't really need to address every single one of them. So let's keep the focus on the Lions and some of the picks that we liked in the first three rounds. So we'll start it off, and there was a little bit of speculation weeks leading up to the draft on who the quarterback would be that the Panthers selected. Um Probably in the last week or two, I think everybody was kind of in agreement that Bryce Young would be that pick, and it was. He went to the Panthers at one overall. So the short guy goes first, and the Texans threw out a smoke screen that they were going to be taking maybe a defensive player, and they didn't want to go quarterback. I never really bought into that, and I was correct. They took C.J. Stroud second overall, but the first big surprise of the draft And it was rumored that the Cardinals would be looking to trade out of three. They did do that, but we did not expect them to trade with the Texans, who moved back up to three and took Will Anderson out of Alabama. So I thought that was a solid move, you know, to get arguably the two best players in the entire draft right there. I'm not sure what they gave up off the top of my head, but I mean, you get the best defensive player, you get a franchise quarterback. The Texans are looking to rebuild. And. It's probably gonna start pretty quick because I think CJ Stroud should be a pretty immediate contributor. And with new coach D'Amico Ryan's in there, the Texans could uh they could cause some problems for your Titans there, Belly.
2: It was a uh they traded their first, uh a third and a 2024 first, I believe. So not a bad trade to get the one of the regarded as the best defensive player in the draft. And I don't even want to get started about the Titans. That
0: team's in fucking shambles.
1: Oh, we'll get to them, don't you worry.
0: Yeah, I actually think it was um, really smart of the Texans to take C.J. Stroud with their actual pick Um, because I think if they take Will Anderson there, uh, the trade value for that third pick is a lot higher for other teams that want to come up and get the quarterback. So I think what they did was really smart to take C.J. Stroud and then be able to trade back in at three now that the quarterback was gone to take Will Anderson, who, like you said, is is probably the safest uh, bet in the draft, in my opinion.
1: And we were talking about this on last week's podcast when we did our final mock draft, but Will Levis was the odds-on favorite to be that number two selection, and clearly that didn't happen. So I think that everyone was kind of waiting for the, the shoe to drop, but we'll get to that in a little bit here. Um, fourth pick going to the Colts, Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. There were a lot of questions on where we would go, but this is where things start to get interesting for us Lions fan because at pick number five, and it was speculated before that this would kind of be a A point in the draft where a lot of things could get shaken up, and it absolutely did cause some havoc because the Seattle Seahawks took cornerback Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, my favorite to go to the Lions at number six. And I think that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell were kind of expecting him to fall to number six after what ensued shortly after the Seahawks announced that selection. I mean, he is a great cornerback. I loved him. He was my, like, I was in between picking him or Jalen Carter there, and we'll talk about him in a little bit here, but clearly teams were not sold on the off-field issues that Jalen Carter had and that that was behind him. Um, Ever since the draft has ended, there's kind of been some news coming out about him that some of Georgia's coaching staff were kind of throwing him under the bus because they don't want to tarnish their reputation for giving truthful evaluations on their players, but it just didn't seem that he really had a passion for football that some of these other guys did. I really didn't even suspect that the Seahawks would be considering taking Witherspoon at five just because they have Tariq Woolen and I think they have another guy, Michael Jackson, maybe. So they have some decent cornerbacks already. But, obviously, they saw what we saw. He's one of the most physical players in the entire draft, pound for pound. And he's sticky in man coverage. I mean, he's going to be a great player for him on that defense who's looking to replicate what they had with the Legion of Boom 10 years ago.
2: Just like that, the garbage man arrives.
3: Perfect
1: timing, (laughs) Joe. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Well, hello. You didn't miss too much. We um, We were just going through the first five picks. We talked about Lamar Jackson's deal, and we were just getting into Devin Witherspoon kind of unhinging our draft plans and how that impacted us through the first round. So,
2: so I mean, yeah, the Seahawks could have taken a quarterback, but they did take uh, Geno Smith. And at this point, we obviously didn't know Will Levis was going to fall as far as he did. Uh, I'm a man who never hates a defensive pick. Why not bolster that D to get the ball in the offense's hand more often
0: and just have Geno be hucking it again? <laughs> I, I, like you said, Corbin. I think you nailed it. This pick kind of um, threw off the rest of the draft for the Lions. I don't want to say threw off. They had contingency plans, I'm sure. But I think, I think Brad Holmes was banking on picking Witherspoon and wanted to pick Witherspoon. I think he was their top guy.
3: Yeah, and I think I think you saw like pretty immediate. I, like the coolest thing with, uh, I think the the thing that I appreciated most about. The Lions' draft is that they never just bled clock and uh, wasted everybody's time. It was the moment that Witherspoon was gone. Like, all right, see, ya. Lions are out of that pick and traded back. I think it was him a hundred percent of the way. And yeah, that uh, you know, I mean, it was it was good on them. I mean, I, I like they Brad had a strat. You know, like we'll we'll sit back at six and we got the ejector button if we need it.
1: Now going into the draft. You know, pretend like you don't know what happened. Who would have been your pick right there at six? Because I was between Jalen Carter and Devin Witherspoon, and I said, if they're okay with you know his interviews and everything like that, the picks Jalen Carter. If they're not, it's Devin Witherspoon.
3: For for me, uh, you know, I would I would like to see someone on the line. I mean, yeah, if like I'm, I'm I never talked to Jalen Carter, so I can't speak to any of that stuff. But if they weren't comfortable with Carter for whatever reason. Then for me, it was Tyree Wilson and just load up on that D line.
1: I mean, at first when it was announced, it was pick six for 12 and 34, which I was okay with, but then it came out that we gave the third round pick too. So that one made me sour on it a little bit. I think we're kind of pinching pennies here because I do think it's pretty fair value. You get a high second round pick, borderline first round pick at 34 right there just to move back six spots. But, you know, those... Early first-round picks are very, very valuable, and I think we could have maximized it a little more, which is why I said that I think the Cardinals kind of did us a solid there because I think they understood we wanted Witherspoon and we had to kind of reassess. And now that we know who the pick is at 12, it makes a little bit more sense why we wouldn't want to take this player at 6. Because at number 12, the Lions took Jameer Gibbs, running back, out of Alabama. And there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this pick um, because we were in a position to take B. John Robinson, somebody that, you know, almost unanimously NFL circles have said is the best running back in this class. And I don't think that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell saw it that way. I think they had Jameer Gibbs rated higher than B. John Robinson. And I think it would have sent fans into a tizzy if we would have taken. Jameer gives right at six over Bijan Robinson. So at least we got that 34th pick and I think like a fourth rounder or something like that at 168 or whatever it might've been. So at least we got something in return as opposed to overly reaching for a guy who arguably could have been there at 18.
2: Yeah. My favorite part undoubtedly in the chat was when you chimed back in and you go, C-Rod or Will Levis here guaranteed and hung up the phone and then the Gibbs pick comes flashing across the screen. We were all dying laughing. It was so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I was, I mean, I was like everyone else. I was super caught off by this pick. Um, when when you hear the name, the first name come out and you're like, I don't even know, J- Jameer's not even on my radar for, you know, our pick around six and then in this case, 12. Uh, but I think you're right, Corbin, that Brad Holmes first press conference after the first night, he was talking about Jameer Gibbs a little bit. And I don't even think it's so much that they valued him higher than Bijan. I think they just com- they view him as two completely different players. Uh, Bijan is that three-down bell cow back, and Gibbs is kind of that utility knife who can be moved all around the offense and do anything you ask him to. Um, and I, th- I think they view Montgomery as that bell cow, and then Gibbs is kind of the, the one-two punch. Yeah, Change of pace
1: guy, yeah. Because, I mean, I love Bijan Robinson. You know, like, personally, me, like, I would almost prefer staying at six and taking Bijan over Jameer Gibbs at 12. But guess what? Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell know a hell of a lot more than I do. They know a hell of a lot more than anybody, all these mock draft experts do. So if they believe in this player and he's their guy, they have not given me any reason to distrust them so far. So I'm going to roll with our guys. I mean, on the positive side, there are things that. Jameer Gibbs does better than Bijan, and the main thing is speed. He's fast as hell. He ran a 4'3", 6'40", and he's a little bit of a better pass catcher, too. Bijan can still do that, but Jameer Gibbs is electric in the open field. He can make guys miss. Bijan can as well, but, I mean, there are definitely some traits that Jameer Gibbs has that are better than Bijan Robinson. I I agree with you, Isaac, that he's not that bell cow three-down running back. But he is a lot like DeAndre Swift, and we have David Montgomery to take, you know, the the short yardage, goal line kind of situational work away from him, and then we can kind of move Jameer Gibbs around the offense as our chess piece, whether that's in the slot or if we set like if we kind of flank him out and then pull him back into the backfield. So, I look at him more as a weapon in Ben Johnson's offense as opposed to a running back. I think that he can do a lot more than you know a lot of the other guys can do. So. There is rumors that there were a couple of teams, like the Cowboys and Jets, that I've heard of that were looking to move up to take Jameer Gibbs, Um, so he probably wasn't going to be there at 18, and I'll go over some quotes from uh, Brad Holmes after the post-round one press conference here, but Brad Holmes said, we're absolutely thrilled with how tonight went. It's no disrespect to the mock drafts, frankly, we don't care. We feel really confident about the work we put in. I think our fans are going to be really, really proud and excited about what they see. I'm not saying in a year or two years. We believe these guys are ready to go right now. When we were able to select him at 12, that's when all the text started coming in, like, oh, he would have been gone by 15. Just a lot of picks, a lot of people saying they wanted to trade up, they wanted to get him. That's what I was talking about when I mentioned the uh, the Cowboys and the Jets, which is interesting because they have Tony Pollard and Brees Hall. I would say, like, Tony Pollard's a very similar running back to Jameer Gibbs, and Brees Hall is more of that three-down back. But clearly we weren't the only ones who valued his speed, and I think he's going to be a great complement to David Montgomery. and. I mean, we're not getting worse by adding Jameer Gibbs to the team. That's for sure. You could tell Brad Holmes was jacked about it by
3: his uh,
2: his reaction in the in the room, hugging Dan Campbell. And then, Joe, what did you say about Dan Campbell's outfit that night?
3: <laughs> I mean, like Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, man. Like I like love the draft night. You know the the big night of the year. He's showing up in a. Uh, Button down hard blue shirt with the blue jeans looks like he had some some boots on looks like he was ready to go to the fucking buddies in Clarkston that guy <laughs> like <laughs> he was a he was a Detroit cartoon man <laughs> I, I, I absolutely
1: loved it <laughs> yep, that dark blue shirt untucked it got me too I was like what the hell is he wearing <laughs> but that's Dan Campbell for you he looked like a guy working in
2: construction who got told he had a meeting last minute. He's like, all right, bust out the sport coat. <laughs> yeah.
1: Better throw on my good shirt. Oh shit, I forgot to tuck it in.
3: Like he like he pressed that shirt. Like, <laughs> like, like he pulled, like he pulled it out and he looked at it. And he's like, all right, yeah, draft night. It's, it's, blue, this, it's blue. You know, it's festive. It's, de- it's Detroit. <laughs> it's Detroit, baby. <laughs> he's like, I got the perfect shirt for tonight. <laughs> They're about to see. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I think that Jameer Gibbs is going to be a great piece on our team. Obviously, there's going to be some controversy surrounding that pick, and it's going to be tough for him to live up to that draft capital, especially when he's splitting carries with David Montgomery. Um, he's not like a Christian McCaffrey that was that three-down kind of running back. I think he has a lot of work to do in between the tackles. Um, but in terms of the value that he brings to us in the the you know in terms of like a, a straight speed threat and in the receiving game. It's a great piece to our offense. I love the player. It's just the draft position that is the thing that, you know, is a little disconcerting to me. That's all. I wouldn't be mad about this pick. He's going to be a great player for
0: us. Yeah, and I do think one last thing on that. I think uh, Brad Holmes said this a couple times in his press conference too. He's like, everyone wants to focus on, you know, the the term running back in terms of this guy, but I really think they view him as um, almost like a Debo Samuel type guy who can be – he can line up anywhere. On the offense, he actually was, um, he had the most catches for Alabama last year uh, as the running back. He wasn't quite in yards, but he had the most receptions. And so I really do think they view him almost more as like just this hybrid position. And if he is truly more of like a receiving back and he plays a huge game in the pass game, then the positional value argument kind of goes out the window.
3: Yeah, exa- exactly, and like and like you were saying earlier, Corbin, that's that's why I think Bijan ultimately wasn't even in consideration at the sixth because it was like, like it, you know, it's almost a completely different position like what, you know, like Jameer, I think what they envisioned him bringing. I, I think it's good because I think they, you know, have a plan for him and they, they clearly think he fits in and that's why they prioritize getting him. I, uh, you know, I guess... Uh, You know, I'm not in the room. I couldn't say, I mean, maybe Swift is just that big a dick. And, (laughs) and cause I think that, I mean, I think Swift did a lot of those things, probably not to the, you know, ceiling level that Gibbs probably could, but I feel like he filled a lot of those roles, but they wanted him gone. It looks like. So, um, I mean, like, like everybody's said, and I'm just echoing, you know, we're just, I'm just letting Brad cook.
1: I think that Bijan would have been a little bit redundant with David Montgomery in the running back room now, but, I mean, the NFL shows it year after year how much they value that top-end speed, and Jameer Gibbs has that. So I'm happy with the pick. I've coped with it. I'll learn to love him. I already do love him. Fuck it. He's my boy.
0: <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if he or J M o get the number one.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that too, actually, because I looked up his highlights, and I was like, oh, a One-to-one Alabama controversy, we'll see.
0: Probably give it to Gibbs because Jameau can't play for six games.
1: Jameau doesn't really have a leg to stand on right now. That's my number. (laughs) But let's talk about our second first-round pick. Our next one is up at 18, and that is Jack Campbell, linebacker out of Iowa. And I just want to say, Belly, all that shit, dude. No, you didn't. Well, I did say that he was my favorite linebacker in the class, and I thought that he was going at the back end closer to it. I thought he was going to slip into that first round. So I wasn't
0: Technically, wrong. 18 is the back end. So.
1: No, no. I don't know how you
2: guys, like, when you're eating a sandwich, when you're just into that first bite halfway through, that's not the back end. That's the midsection. Well,
0: eighteen's in the second half. It's in the second half of the day. By two picks. Second.
1: That's
2: like the okay, – but. <laughs>
1: But the difference between picks eight and eighteen, and eighteen and twenty-eight, is significantly larger. My
2: point is, you're trying to say that you called it, and you have your mock out there for everybody to see, and you have them going at like thirty or twenty-nine. You didn't call it. Well, I had,
1: I had the right idea, and <laughs> to be honest, what I think, what I really think was going to happen was if the Lions did get Devin Witherspoon at six, I think they were looking to trade up to take Jameer Gibbs, and then they were expecting to maybe take. Campbell in the second round early second maybe they would have traded up into the back end of the first to get him so if that scenario did play out I would have nailed it
2: yeah and if I didn't get lazy
1: in college I'd be running a company by now what do you what do you mean what if (laughs) well it's tough to predict all these things but I will say I got four to five picks correct because I picked Will Anderson at three but the team wasn't correct but I didn't do any trades so Technically, I got five picks correct. It's hard to guess these things with all the movement and whatnot. But I, I thought it was a pretty solid job. And I'm happy with the overall player. Like, I, when I was going through and scouting these linebackers, there was a couple of guys, Drew Sanders, Dion Henley. They were kind of right up there for me. But Jack Campbell was the most productive out of all of them. I mean, he's a solid athlete. Actually, he's an elite athlete. I think he had like a 9-point-something RAS score, which is a relative 9. athletic 90. score. Yeah, so he's an incredible athlete, an incredible leader, and he was very productive. So, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of knocks against him.
0: He was the, he rated, with the RAS, he was the sixth highest linebacker since 1987 when they started keeping track of that.
1: It was just a little surprising to me just because so far Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have shown that they don't really, you know, it is a little bit of, like, it doesn't have the most positional value but when they saw a guy that had his type of athleticism who is a a perfect off ball linebacker with coverage skills, they went out and got him. You know, they said that he was the highest guy on their draft board and they don't really give a damn if you consider it a reach. They got their guy. So how can I fault them for that? Because what they've given us so far is a playoff team. And they found guys in the later rounds that we're all happy about, whether it's Amon Ross St. Brown or James Houston and Malcolm Rodriguez. I mean, we've got plenty of guys in later rounds that have panned out to be solid contributors. So if they get a guy that they think could be a linebacker and a captain of our defense for ten years, then how am I going to be mad about that pick? I liked that pick a lot more than I did the the Jameer Gibbs pick at the time.
3: Yeah, I, I think you know, I think the pick. Like I know, you know, a lot of people. You know, may doubt drafting a, you know, just a straight middle linebacker with that pick and that high up in the first. But I mean, look, like Brad Holmes talked about, like, look, we're making win now moves. And if on the low end, I mean, he's a he's a fridge with ballerina feet, like like on the low end, if, you know, he's just like a gap filler, like, you know, run run crashing like linebacker that like helps us in the running game like this year like trying to make a playoff run like great and if at the ceiling with that RAS score and I mean like he could develop it as like a coverage linebacker as well if the ceiling I mean what's the ceiling you know like sky's the limit for him so I think I think it's like you you win you win on like, hey, he's a contributor right now. You win on, like, hey, he's a freak athlete. The upside is, you know, Ray Lewis. Like, you know, I hate to say Ray Lewis, but, like, you know, that's what, like, he's testing as and what people are saying. Like, if the upside is there and the floor is an instant contributor that's going to help the defense right now and, like, the downside is, like, oh, it's not the highest impact position. I mean, like, I, I still think it's a i i That's a pick that I was actually a fan of from them
1: yeah and i'll it's funny that you mentioned that that ray lewis comparison i'll get to that in a second here but i mean like you said he's a fridge with ballerina feet. he's 6'4 250 pounds and he ran a four six five forty yard dash he had 125 total tackles last year and a 140 in 2021 so he's a do-it-all kind of guy i do expect him to kind of be a rotational piece year one um with anzalone and malcolm rodriguez i don't think this is very good news for malcolm in the immediate future here but we've got anzalone on a basically a two-year deal and i expect jack campbell to kind of absorb what he can from anzalone and then he'll be ready to take over as the full-time mike as early as next season, maybe even halfway through this year we'll see how fast he can pick things up in the nfl but i mean if anybody's going to do it in this class it's jack campbell and the one thing that was interesting that I did not know about him until we picked him was his head coach, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, said that he is one of the best players he's ever coached. He's a two-time captain, high character guy, and has crazy work ethic, and he did compare him to Ray Lewis. He was a defensive coach for the Ravens while Ray Lewis was there, and he said, I'm not saying that he is Ray Lewis, but you see a lot of similarities between the two in terms of athleticism and leadership. So how do you not want a guy like that on your team? I can't be mad about it at all. You could say it's a reach, but if that's their guy, then they got him and they're stoked about the pick, so so am I.
0: Yeah, and especially like the, you know, the positional value argument again is there, but um the linebacker is often called, you know, the quarterback of the defense and the NFL continues to evolve and change and they've moved towards smaller, faster linebackers like um who can be faster in coverage. I think Miles Jack is a good example of a smaller guy who is a good coverage linebacker and then, you know, the offense adjusts to all that blah blah. This guy is truly like both like you said he's 6'5", he's big and he's a beast in coverage. He was I think Pro Football Focus or maybe CBS Sports whatever highest rated uh coverage linebacker in 2022 for college. Um so the dude's just like you said, I think we have our you know, our 10-year defense Luke keekley kind of guy um, who's just that anchor for, for as long. And you mentioned too, Corb, that like they haven't shown much um, emphasis on the linebacker position. And I do think that's because they value Anzalone a lot higher than a lot of uh, us fans do. Um, but I think this is a you know step in the right direction of all the people who complained that we re-signed Anzalone and didn't address the linebacker position are now whining that we addressed the linebacker position, but it was just at the wrong time. So I don't... You know, you can't have your cake needed too. I think he's going to be a monster. Um, and after watching his introductory press conference, I'm a huge fan.
1: Yeah, I think we're getting a good player who showed a lot of production in college, and we're going to be really happy with him. So hopefully he's a stapler of our defense for years to come, and he is able to turn into one of those pro-bowl, all-pro types of players. Um, He certainly has the leadership and work ethic, and that's something that I love to see out of that linebacker, maybe statistically or positional value-wise. He's not the best guy to take right there but I think that he'll make up for it with his intangibles so I'm happy with that pick and uh, obviously in the first round we did reach for our guys a little bit there but Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell stuck true to their board and that's something that I do appreciate because they spent a lot more time than you or me or any of these mock draft experts have spent looking into these players and they have a lot of information that we are not privy to so I'm happy with that. I'm happy with Brad Holmes' selections. He has not led us astray so far, so let's keep this momentum going into the second round here.
0: One last thing real quick, if you don't mind. I have one thing on the, the positional value. So, A bunch of articles that I was reading ahead of the draft was GMs being quoted about how there wasn't very many first-round grades um, in this year's draft. Uh, I think of one GM said there was like, he only had 15 guys with a quote-unquote first-round grade, and so if if Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell thought Gibbs and Campbell were two of those and they went and got them in the first round, then who cares about positional value at that point? They went and got their guys.
1: And let's just uh, quick go over a couple other guys um, that landed in some interesting spots here. Um, we'll go back to pick number eight. Bijan Robinson went to the Falcons, and I think that's a good pick for them because they don't really have anybody else other than, um, what's the guy's name? Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier, yeah. They have him, but not a whole lot else. They do have Cordero Patterson, too, but the Falcons might have a sneaky good offense this year. But then we got Jalen Carter going to the Eagles at 9, so his agent Drew Rosenhaus was true to his word. He was not going to slip out of the top 10. They actually moved up a pick with the Bears to go and get him, and that was kind of a theme for the Eagles. They just love those Georgia defensive players. They got Nakobe Dean last year. They got... Um, Jordan Davis last year, and then they took Nolan Smith at the back end of this first round. So and Keely Ringo, I think, in the third or fourth round, too. So they got a lot of Georgia players. And hopefully that'll be good with for Jalen Carter to have some familiarity around him to keep him in check and, you know, kind of keep his motivation up because it does seem that was another red flag that some teams had about him. I'm not super mad that the Lions passed on him. Like I said, if we don't pick him at six, then I will know that there's something that I don't know. That Brad Holmes does, so I think the Eagles is a good fit for him, and they kind of have that leadership in place and that culture established to be a, an environment for him to thrive. So I still think he'll be a great player, and Philadelphia is probably the best spot for him. And what about a uh, pick eleven to the Titans, Peter Skoronsky. Thought you were hoping for Will Levis around this point. I mean,
2: I've I've made this point to everybody in my office lately. It's like, yeah, we ended up getting Will Levis, but for the love of God. I think I was reading Will Levis's like player profile and it said that he lacks awareness in the pocket and he's been just absolutely lit up on several occasions. So like to me, no matter what happens, I think Will Levis is just going to get a concussion this first year, even if he comes in for a play. So at least we got somebody on the offensive line to at least try to protect him. I don't know. This, this Titans team is, I don't know what's going to happen, but It's scary. People are saying they had a good draft, and we all saw Skaronsky going at 11, so I was happy with that, but this team moving forward, we'll see.
1: A lot of people projected Skaronsky as a guard, Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, because I know that they lost Nate Davis in free agency, their starting guard, and then Taylor Luan retired, so it'll be interesting to see where he lines up to start the season, but he's a good versatile offensive lineman. Chess piece for him there. We'll see where he lands. Packers right after the line selected took Lucas Finesse out of Iowa, who's kind of that five-tech like defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid. If he bulked up, he could probably be a solid three-tech kind of guy. But I'm scared of the Packers getting one of those uh, Iowa corn-fed boys. He is a solid piece, and he is a he's going to be a chess piece for them along the defensive line. I love saying chess piece today. I don't know why. Let's switch it up. <laughs> Uh, next big pick that I thought was solid was Christian Gonzalez going to the Patriots at 17. You know, that's another guy who I was kind of on the fringe about. Just between him and Devin Witherspoon, I thought they were pretty similar athletically, like similar prospects, but obviously he didn't have the intangibles that Devin Witherspoon did, which is why he went 12 spots later in the first round. I think going to the Patriots and being coached by Bill Belichick is going to be good for him if you can't stay motivated Playing for Bill Belichick, then I don't know how you're going to, but solid athlete with Pro Bowl potential. I mean, he's a good prospect. Did a lot of digging into him because I was thinking, you know, maybe he was a potential Lions selection.
0: Yeah, I think clearly uh the Lions had a couple chances to take him, um, both at six and then when they moved down to twelve. So there was something there that they didn't value as as highly as as uh Witherspoon. Or, I mean who knows, maybe they didn't even value Witherspoon that way, but clearly they they weren't as high on him as as a lot of people thought they might be,
3: yeah, I think that's the that's the benefit of all their moves and their trading, and we were able to see clearly, like no, like they've had every opportunity to take this player and this player, and they just weren't interested, so like, yeah, I know that he was a sexy, sexy mock pick to the line, but you know, I guess they just weren't weren't into it.
2: The lines didn't care about anything but their own plan, and it was it was typical Detroit fashion. I'm talking the city, not the team.
1: (laughs) Yep, just gave no fucks. We went out and got our blue-collar guys, and they're just going to put their nose down and get to work. But let's keep moving along here so we can get into the second round. We had a little bit of a wide receiver run at 20. Jackson Smith and Jigba, first wide receiver off the board, going to the Seahawks, Quentin Johnson to the Chargers, Zay Flowers to the Ravens, and Jordan Addison to the Vikings. So that's pretty interesting because I wasn't too high on Quentin Johnson. Um, I did like Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison, and I think that Addison is a great fit for the Vikings just because the way that he can complement Justin Jefferson. He's more of a slot receiver kind of guy. They just lost Adam Thielen, so he could be a problem. He's just a very solid route runner, very solid overall kind of wide receiver. So he's going to be a, a tough guard in the nickel for us twice a year but I think we can manage with uh, the defensive backs we have on the team.
3: Everyone's been bagging on the Falcons draft, but people are sleeping on like the Vikings are just going Falcons of the North where like, are they aware like of what their defense was last year? (laughs) They're just going in for another receiver. Like, okay, I guess.
0: They're just hoping Brian Flores can uh, fix everything.
1: Keep hucking it, Kirk. Deontay Banks went after that to the Giants. That was another guy who was a candidate at 18 for the Lions, another sticky man cover kind of guy. Uh, Dalton Kincaid went to the Bills. That was the first tight end off the board. That is very interesting because he was the best receiving tight end in the class. It's going to be a hell of a weapon for Josh Allen. He'll probably be the number two option in Buffalo from day one. Uh, let's see here. We got Mozzie Smith, nose tackle, going to the Cowboys. Uh I don't know how I feel about that one but I guess I got I got to fill a role there. Uh, Brian Brzee went to the Saints. I picked that one, called that shit and there's evidence in the Belly and the Fish Instagram, so check that out. Um, and then I think John called the Felix Anaduque Uzoma pick in our mock draft last week to the Chiefs. So, good job to John on that one. Let's get going over to the second round here because the Lions were picking pretty early. Um, Joey Porter Jr. went to the Steelers. Uh, surprised that he went out of round one, um, but the Steelers got their guy. His father, Joey Porter Sr., played for the Steelers for years, all pro players. So it's nice that he gets to go to Pittsburgh like his dad. And then the Titans traded up to get Will Levis, the new face of the franchise for the Tennessee Titans.
2: Oh, I was supposed to put some mayo in some coffee and shoot a video for you guys today and let you know how it tasted. I'll do that tomorrow at work first thing.
1: I'm not going to tell you, try it. I've done it. It's really not that bad. You'd be surprised. Just like oh,
2: cream. Everybody
1: knows I do love me some mayo, so. But let's move to pick 34. Hans got this pick from the Cardinals in their trade down to 12. And with that selection, he took Sam Laporta tight end out of Iowa. That is the second tight end drafted in this draft. And it was a little bit surprising because there was still Darnell Washington and Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame available for us. Um, but after Dalton Kincaid, in my opinion, like he was head and shoulders the best receiving tight end in the class. But there was like three or four guys who were kind of right in that same tier We got our favorite, clearly, when we had our pick of the litter. We went with Laporta, and I think he's just a very, very well-rounded tight end. He's an elite athlete. He's got good leadership skills, Um, and then also the one thing that I thought was really elite about him is his yards-after-catch ability. Um, He is elite in the open field, makes guys miss. Obviously, Iowa's offense was not very talented the past few years so not a lot of college production but you see the flight the sorry you see the traits flash on tape so he is a little bit undersized um, he's a solid blocker but he's not like that dominant kind of guy like a Darnell Washington type um, but I think that he has all the tools in the kit to, to have some success in Detroit so we obviously got our favorite guy and Know, top of the second round i mean i'm happy about it. i think he'll be an immediate contributor and likely be the the number one tight end on our offense starting day one
2: yeah he was a guy that wasn't on a lot of people's radar and he was like a guy i was looking at as like a sleeper dynasty pick like late and then he went so high the lions fucked that all up so I got to find a new deep guy. But all the tight ends that come out of Iowa typically seem to be drafted. I mean, you got Kittle, Fant, and Hawkinson right now. Two of those guys are top five. So they're doing something right in Hawkeye Nation.
3: And then there's Fant.
2: Uh, he's on a team. We'll <laughs> see if he pops off. Hey, he's got a job, though. Is there any uh, other school that's got three tight ends in the NFL?
3: I don't know. You'd have to, that's a tight end deep cut. That's a whole other pod, man.
2: That's one of those stats that flash across the screen. It's like, oh, when he played in November during a smoke storm, <laughs> he's got the best uh, yards per catch.
3: I uh, I don't know. I like, I I get it. I really do. I really get it. You know, I can't act like it's not a bit of a dick kick to see tight end scroll on the screen as a Lions pick, but uh, you know. Like I, I see what they're doing. It makes sense for where where the team is at. You know, I'm letting Brad cook. I'm letting him cook. Uh, you know, I'm bowing out of the kitchen. I'm letting him cook. Uh by all accounts, I mean he's he's he looks like a great player. I just, you know, I just have so much PTSD from draft day lion tight ends. Yeah,
2: I think <laughs> At least it's not a first-round
0: tight end. Yeah, I feel you on that. I was going to say, at least it's not a first-round tight end. And I was disappointed just like anyone else, but I think for this pick, um, of all the picks in the draft, has been the one that's grown on me the most. Um, And the more you look into him, and Corbin, you mentioned it, like Iowa's offense last year was, like, historically bad, and he still managed to put up a couple couple highlights, make, you know, the, the yards after the catch... Um, I think he's very good at, in that regard. He's got great hands, too. Um, can work on his blocking, but I think that's that's similar to TJ Hawkinson. He's, he was not, like, an elite blocker either. Um, so the more I watch of this guy, the more I like him. And I think an interesting note about him, too, in the, in the pre-draft process, he was asked, like, which teammate he'd want to join um, from his college, and he mentioned Jack Campbell. So if you get two of those guys' type of characters on your team, I think you're looking good
3: yeah and and he doesn't even need to block we got brock the block right <laughs> true
0: true that hey, man.
1: the thing about this tight end class is there are so many guys this is a very good tight end class but i think that all of them are very very close and do things a little bit differently but like you said i mean iowa didn't have the best offense and he was still able to produce respectable numbers while playing on that offense um, but I did do a little bit of scouting for him for another podcast that I do for fantasy football. And his RAS score, that relative athletic score that we were referencing earlier, was a 9.5 out of 10. You're in a four five nine forty. He's explosive. He's got agility. He has a big route tree. Um, he's used to multiple alignments, and he just understands coverages in those zones, where to settle in. And that yards after catch ability that I talked about earlier, I mean, it it truly is elite. And that's something that I don't think we really had with TJ Hawkinson and that we don't really have currently on the roster. So he brings something different, you know, with Dan Campbell being a former tight end and bringing in uh, Steve Hayden, the, the new tight ends coach. I think that he is going to be a good piece for that offense and we like a lot of people wanted to take defense only in the first round and early picks just to improve that, but I said, listen, like we we have a good thing going with our offense. We don't want to lose that. Two of our first three picks were on the offensive end, so linebacker and tight end were arguably our, you know, our most shallow positions on the team, and we addressed that with some some serious draft capital to start off the twenty twenty three NFL draft. So I'm happy with the pick, and I think he's going to do well for us. But after that pick, we were supposed to be selecting at 48, but we moved up to 45. We gave up like a fifth rounder, 159, something like that. But we move up to pick 45 and took my favorite selection in this entire draft, and that is Brian Branch, defensive back out of Alabama. Our first mock, I had the Lions taking Christian Gonzalez at 6 and Brian Branch at 18 and I am absolutely stoked to get this guy because Devin Witherspoon gets a lot of hype for his physicality and tackling ability but Brian Branch is right there with him if not better just turn on the highlight reel and he is knocking motherfuckers out he's a versatile piece he can play nickel and safety kind of like CJ Gardner-Johnson who was my comp before this draft so you know having CJGJ for only one year can kind of sit back and learn while he takes that nickel safety hybrid kind of role and then you know if we re-sign him great if not then we've got a guy who can step in and be a solid contributor right off the bat he started at Alabama as a freshman the real knock on him is his athleticism he wasn't the best tester but clearly Brad Holmes has a thing for those Alabama and Iowa guys because first four picks Alabama Iowa Iowa Alabama
2: yeah, it just goes to show that all these uh, Mel Kuipers of the world don't know shit. Because Brian Branch is going so much higher. But um, if anything, I love the pick. I thought it was great. Um, I think he's going to do well for the team. Uh, I mean, would this put him starting immediately or not? With all the signings we've had, I don't. I don't know the depth chart on the defense right now.
1: It depends on how Tracy Walker does in his recovery, um, because if. Tracy Walker's healthy for training camp. It's going to be Kirby and Tracy at safety and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at the, uh, at the nickel spot. So, I mean, it does give us the option to, you know, have him sit back and learn for a year or fill in if there is injury risk. But he is versatile, so you can play him really anywhere. He played a lot of different spots for Alabama, and he was kind of moved around to fulfill whatever role they needed him to do. So I think there's a lot of different ways that he can be used.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to see the field in year one. Um, Not a ton, like you said, because I think he's going to fall right behind uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. But he can. I think that's what Brad Holmes is going for, is just kind of versatile guys that you can put all over the defense and can play any of the positions. Um, I think my favorite thing about Brian Branch, about this draft pick, uh, I wanted him at at the Sam Laporta pick, um, but he was the only guy who stayed from... Being out at the draft in on day one, who didn't get picked, who stayed on day two, and walked across the stage, I just think that's uh, kind of shows a lot about his character and doesn't give a damn what people think about him and wanted his his moment. Um, and so I think that was that was pretty sick. Unlike Will Levis, who like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he got drafted second in the you know in the second pick in the second round.
1: I don't blame Will Levis for leaving, man. That sucked, and I hate it when they kind of put those shots of them just being tortured I in the green agree. room.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, and then the, he was like a meme. His... <laughs> yeah, he was All shown meme. more
0: than any other player in that room.
2: All the uh, memes about his girlfriend, it's like when you thought you were going to be dating a first-round pick and now he's just a
1: second. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, the one thing that I did see Brad Holmes mentioned about him is he really didn't even expect him to be there at 45, which is why he moved up just three picks to go and get him. And, you know, maybe the Packers were targeting him at uh, at 45, and they were the trade candidates, so hopefully we uh, pissed them off a little bit. You uh, traded that pick with Green Bay. Yeah, I yeah, know. That's what I'm saying. So hopefully oh, okay. they were hoping that he would fall to 48. Gotcha. Okay. But there goes Brad Holmes again, trading within the division. He doesn't give a fuck. Zero. The next pick we had was in the third round at 68. And another guy who fell. That was pretty close for uh, my favorite pick in the draft. But that was Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee. A guy that was very likely to you know, go in the first round, a lot of people thought. I think that John had a uh, bet for him. Uh, yeah, minus 165 to be a first-round pick. Oh, that's some good odds right there, and he fell all the way to the third. But, again, he's an older quarterback. He had the ACL injury, and if it wasn't for that ACL, he probably would have gone late first or early second, probably early second just seeing how Levis fell. In terms of arm talent, he's got it. I think it's, he's a good leader. Um, the one thing that I think a lot of other teams knocked on him was Tennessee's offense is not pro style, so there's going to be a bit of a learning curve adapting to the NFL. But we are in the perfect position to bring a guy along like that because we have Jared Goff for two years. So he can sit and relax, recover from his ACL, learn the offense. We've got Mark Brunel and Ben Johnson to get him up to speed. If Jared Goff does get injured, he is a good piece of insurance for us. And then if you know we do decide to move on from Jared Goff in two years from now when his contract expires, we might be able to just roll with him for a year or two and see what we got with the guy.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, it was a total, total moonshot play pick, right? Like, you know, I mean, because I mean, year one, obviously he'll be recovering. So he's not going to be able to offer us to back, back up golf, at least the first, like first half of the year. Um, But I mean, it's a total, total moonshot play, right? I mean, like he's high ceiling, right? I mean, see if, see if you strike gold, I guess, uh, you know, like, again, i'll let brad cook but you know like i i, I would liked to see a um a contributor in some way uh at, at that pick i mean i guess you know seeing as how brad spent the first uh, couple days like putting his uh table through the floor uh he was probably feeling himself and uh, and trying to make a big uh big bet and you know i'll back him on it so i mean Hooker could be could be you know great when he comes back. I mean, yeah, you are kind of buying an injury dip with his his draft capital. Um, he could have gone a lot higher had he not torn his ACL, and you know he could look be looking at something totally different if he was able to test out. So,
2: yeah, of course the Tennessee homers were up in arms that uh, the Titans took Levis over Hooker, and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're just mad he was a Kentucky boy just from just north ripping Mayo
0: again. <laughs> For me overall, I was happy with the pick. Um, Lions fans have talked about needing you know, a backup plan for Jared Goff, we can't run with with Sudfeld again. Um, and I think Hendon Hooker offers exactly that. He's gonna have a soft landing spot. Um, I wouldn't be su- surprised if he's not doing, like you said, Joe, doing full speed uh, early in the season. But I think not two, I would say three, four games into the season that he'll be ready to go. And people, hit the, you know, the knock on him was that Tennessee kind of has a a quarterback-friendly offense with one or two reads. Um, I'd argue the Lions have that, too. Like, they're not asking Goff to do a ton. It, You know, Ben Johnson moves a lot of guys around, and it's usually a simple one or two read. And I think Hennett Hooker is going to be able to do exactly that, um, and at the very least just be a solid backup.
1: I think worst case, he's a solid career backup, but he could absolutely become a starter down the road. And I've already kind of expressed my feelings for him that I, he was you know, the guy that I would want with that first, second round pick that we had. Um, so to get him in the third, I mean, that's just value right there. And if you're looking at third round picks, I mean, at this point, you're looking for guys with upside and he absolutely has that. So I mean, we could do a lot worse. And after Hooker, I mean, at that point, you know, Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. He's another guy. I think he went fourth round to the Raiders. He was another guy who was kind of on our radar. But there's a big drop off in QB talent after Hooker was off the board. So I'm glad we got him when we did.
2: Stenson Bennett disrespect.
1: (laughs) Uh, After that, the Lions traded again. They traded up. 96. They gave up 122, 139, and 168. And I was a little surprised on how much we had to give up just to move up to the third round there. But clearly, the guy that we picked was on our radar, and we did not, not want to risk him getting taken. It looks like Siaki Ika went two picks after to the Browns. So we got a nose tackle. Broderick Martin out of Western Kentucky. And to be honest, I had never fucking heard of the guy until we announced his name. He wasn't at the Combine or the Senior Bowl, but we did bring him in for a top 30 visit. But he's a big boy, 6'5, 337 pounds. And it's going to be nice to have him in the rotation with Isaiah Bugs. Uh, I can't remember if it was Brad Holmes or Dan Campbell who said that he played way too many snaps last year so he'll be a rotational piece maybe you know 30-40% of the snaps and it's going to free up Aleem McNeil to pretty much play exclusively the three tech which is what he was best suited at last year so he's not the best athlete but in a nose tackle you just kind of want a big powerful guy who can eat up space and maintain that gap integrity so I'm okay with the pick and I think that um, there was kind of a tear break. There wasn't a lot of other nose tackle options that we could get after this point if we weren't sold on Siaki Ika out of Baylor. So I'm happy we went up and got another guy of ours, and that kind of was um, a little bit of a fall-off after there. We didn't really have a lot of selections. So right there we have, what is that, six picks. that should be immediate contributors in the first three rounds. So I think that's a pretty good haul for a team that's looking to be competitive this year.
0: I would say out of all the picks, this is probably the one, um, that I liked the least, uh, for me, tackle defensive tackle was like our number one priority. Um, obviously, you know, we already touched on Jalen Carter. Um, uh, I and we don't know any of the the background stuff with him, but for me, tackle was like our number one need. And we did you were right core. We did feel like we gave up kind of a lot to move up to take this guy. Um, and I was actually talking to, uh, to Tori, who's our buddy who played football at Ferris. And I asked him what he felt about this guy and said he was not impressed really at all. Said he was kind of, um, pad levels way too high and not a technician. He's like, if you can't split a double at conference USA, then you're going to get mauled in the NFL. Um, obviously that's just one guy's take. But again, for the position, I felt like we needed the most to take some kind of, um, I don't want to call him a no name, but you know, a no name guy that not many of us had heard of was just probably the most head scratching for me. But he is an absolute unit. I mean, the dude is massive. So if he can just plug holes by being there, then more power to him. But I would say this is probably my least favorite pick of the draft.
3: Yeah, uh, I you know I don't as far as the player goes. I mean, yeah, small school Western Kentucky uh, wasn't very familiar with Broderick Martin yet. So so got familiar with him a bit. I mean. All I could really have to say with just, you know, I just wanted to come out of this draft with some meat. <laughs> He's a whole lot of meat. And so that checked my box and made me happy. If they think they can do something with them, then you know, I'm good with it.
1: Broderick meat wagon Martin. Well, the one the one thing that was in <laughs> Big Mart's cousin. <laughs> the one thing that was interesting that you said, Isaac, was that we don't have a lot of defensive tackle depth. You know, that was one of our biggest needs. And in a way, I do agree with you. But at the same time, I've also said that I think that this team wants Aleem McNeil to play that three tech. So we've got our guy there. We've got Bugs and now Martin who will fill that nose tackle role. And then on third down, we've got guys like John Kaminsky and Pascal who are going to bump inside. As those kind of like smaller defensive tackles who will generate that interior pass rusher, and then we've got Hutchinson and Houston on the outside. We've got Aquara and um, and Charles Harris as well. So I do think, as in terms of defensive line as a whole, we are pretty deep, um, and that Broderick Martin's just kind of a role player, a rotational piece for Isaiah Bugs. Yeah, he's probably not going to be a Pro Bowl kind of guy, but he is going to take up that space on first and second downs on those likely run plays. He'll be a space eater, and, you know, he has his role. I don't expect him to be a a pass rusher at any point in his career, but I think he'll be a solid player for us. And he should see the uh, playing time immediately,
0: too. Yeah, no, when you put it like that, that's a good point. Um, I kind of forget sometimes about the, the Pascal and Kaminsky guys who can also go interior.
1: And he's not perfect. Like I said, I mean, he's a third round pick out of Western Kentucky, you know, like, I don't think that they're sold like he's going to be an immediate starter impact player, but I think he'll be a rotational player. He'll have his role and we'll see how he does. I really don't know much about him. I have looked into it a little bit since the draft, but at the same time, like I, he was not on my radar whatsoever. So that was a little bit of a surprise for me, but at the same time, he's got his role. We'll see how he does. But moving on here, no fourth-round picks for the Lions. We only had two more picks in this draft, and the first of the two came in the fifth round. At pick 153, we took Colby tack tackle out of William & Mary, the oldest college in the U.S. Fun fact, I learned that in fifth grade. Uh, Not a lot to say about this guy. I don't know how much you've looked into him um, between you three, but he's 6'6", 301 pounds, so not a lot of weight on him, but he is a big guy. He played tackle in college, but he'll likely be a guard in the NFL just due to those short little T-Rex arms he has. Um, (laughs) He does have the versatility to play both. It's kind of like an upgrade over Dan Skipper is the way that I see it. but again, he's got those intangibles. He was a team captain with 46 career starts, and he started as a freshman, which I think he's the first offensive lineman in 30-some years to start as a freshman for William & Mary. And, you know, he's not a perfect prospect, but, again, it's about the culture fit, within and he has some room to grow um, to potentially become a starter if he does work some things out. We are going to be potentially looking for a guard next year, so give him a year to learn. We've got some depth in case of injury just a piece that we can use and see how he comes along when you're in the fifth round you know you're probably not getting much at that point but Brad Holmes has proven us wrong every time we say that we get an Amon Ross St. Brown or a Derek Barnes or a Malcolm Rodriguez people who do pan out for us so I'm interested to see how he does
0: uh yeah for this I actually am super stoked on this pick um obviously like the rest of us I didn't know who he was before we took him but doing up the reading and watching videos and um Duke's guy named Duke Mayweather so I have you know like any good NFL fan after after the draft you look for all the people who say the positive things about the draft for confirmation but uh Duke Mayweather who's a um highly respected O-line scout and um talent developer he kind of runs the similar to like George Kittle's Tight End U, he does like a O-line thing every offseason um called this the sleeper pick of the draft um Brian Baldinger, who's another guy who always breaks down a line film, had a thing about this guy uh, at the beginning of April, um, breaking down some of the things he does really well. And I think he's going to be, uh, if if we're going to call, you know, which, which which pick is the Amon Ra or the Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, my money's on this guy for this draft. I think he's going to be a, a respectable rotation piece on the line.
3: And he's more meat.
1: Love that meat. More meat.
0: More meat, baby. Throw the ham on the
1: yeah, not much to say about him. I mean, when you're getting to this point, you're taking guys based on straight, based on traits. He's got some good leadership skills and versatility to play guard and tackle. So we'll see if he gets any playing time this year. Probably not, but maybe next year. Who knows? No six-round picks for the Lions this year. Um, uh, but before we get to our seventh-round pick, let's talk a little bit about our final trade in the draft. Right before day three started, agreed to another trade with the Eagles. We received pick 219 and a 2025 fourth round pick for our boy DeAndre Swift and we also gave pick 249 with him so I think that the writing was kind of on the wall once we took Gibbs and rumors were kind of starting to swirl as soon as um, day two was starting that the Lions were getting some calls about Swift and moving on from him so it sucks to see him go um, because you know that the talent's there but it was clearly just an issue with injuries. And, I mean, watching hard knocks and stuff, you could see Deuce Daly being hard on him, and you kind of got the feeling that the organization wasn't completely sold on him. It was a Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn pick. So it's not like Brad Holmes and Dane Campbell invested in this guy and believed in him. But, I mean, he's an electric running back, and I think he's going to do great things for Philly. It's Philadelphia is his hometown, and it sounds like that's where he wanted to go. And it was the same with Jeff Okuda. I don't know if he's from Atlanta, but he wanted to play for the Falcons, is what he said before the draft. So Brad Holmes is taking these players' desires into consideration when he moves them. And I think it helps us establish our, our culture. Like we're not just gonna, you know, ship you off for the maybe the best trade value for us, but We want you to leave on a positive note, and I think that Jeff Okuda and DeAndre Swift don't have any animosity with this organization, but it's clear that injuries just kind of spelled DeAndre Swift's end in Detroit. I think it's an upgrade with Gibbs because he's just a faster version of Swift, and hopefully we can keep Gibbs healthy so that we can get a year of production with him in the backfield and David Montgomery. So.
0: Yeah, I think it was clear, uh, like you said, after after the Gibbs pick, um, stuff we saw in hard knocks and just kind of his overall attitude um, about being with the Lions that Swift just wasn't a fit for the new regime. And so I think getting a fourth rounder out of him, even though it's next year, um, I mean, we drafted him in the second round, so to get a fourth rounder af- out of him in his last year of the contract is, is not terrible. I just I don't like that he went to the Eagles, who are a contender in the NFC, but um, he'll probably be hurt again all year, so...
3: Yeah, it'll hurt. To, it'll hurt to see him playing for Philly this year. Because, yeah, I mean, him in that like outside zone, like uh, running attack, they've got. That. I mean, like, yeah, if if all goes well, like it's it's gonna hurt to watch. It. But I mean, it, it just it just wasn't gonna it just wasn't gonna work here. I mean, I it like you said. I mean, he's he's lived through or he's been through the you know the regime changes here, and there's the injuries and all the competition being brought it, it, you know, it, I, I, you know, could totally be wrong, but it, it, it had the feeling of, you know, of something that they were, you know, it would probably be a better for a split. And yeah, I mean, he, he was due for a change of scenery and I think it it could be good for him, but I think ultimately it'll be good for good for the lions too.
2: Yeah. I always grab a pick when a guy you're going to let walk anyway. So why not?
0: Exactly. He is going to look sick in the Eagles uniform though and they're black unis, he's going to look sick as hell.
1: Yeah, he should be an immediate contributor, too, just because they lost Miles Sanders. They brought in Rashad Penny, but his injury history is even more extensive than Swift's. They got Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, the giant killer, but he should RB, be RB1 right from the get-go. But you mentioned a, a point that I wanted to ask you about, Belly, is do you think that we should have just kept him along as a third string running back on our team for one year? Are you happy that we moved on and got something for him while we still could?
2: I mean, like I said, if a guy's going to walk and at the end of the day, you spent that pick on Gibbs. Is he really going to help you win? And I almost feel like at that point, as far as the play calling goes, like, what are you going to do? You're going to give all three guys plays, and it's just going to be a true huge committee. I think that the whole move and the thing was to get Gibbs going and get him starting to play, especially when you spent that capital on him. And it was just – it was time. It's time for him to move along. So, yes, it's always what if, what if, what if. But, I mean – I don't think they liked him. I don't think they liked him at all. So they just had to move on from him. Osh, Joe,
1: what about you?
3: Yeah, I think I think the return is great on it. I mean, yeah, and not only not only did um, one you were able to take care of the guy, like like you guys were saying, you know, like you were able to take care of him. He wanted to go to Philly. He's from Philly. Like you're able to take care of a player, like you know, that's good. Like to to do right by the players. Um, and I mean, like yeah. In the last year, your deal, like you're getting a fourth back for DeAndre Swift, after you've already expended all your leverage. Like everyone knows, he's going after you make the Gibbs pick. You know, like he would, he would have just stewed here this final year anyway. I think it's a good return. Just you know, thanks. See ya. It's
0: all about the locker room. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great return. Like like you guys mentioned, Um, I I was initially when we drafted Gibbs, kind of thinking like. I feel like we did use three running backs a decent amount last year. Um, Like Craig Robinson got the ball kind of a lot, but that was in part because Swift was hurt. Um, So I was kind of imagining like it would be sick if we were to use all three and it would be kind of a lessen the load on Swift to maybe lessen his injuries or if Gibbs got hurt or whatever. Um, But I think at the end of the day, just if he wants out and you're not a fan of him, get what you can get for him. Craig Robinson, your favorite guy from <laughs> movies like uh... <laughs> Craig Reynolds. Damn it. Sorry. I got to run though. So I'll be, I'm interested to hear the rest when it comes out later this week. Yeah. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming on, buddy. We appreciate it. Yep, Thank thanks you. for having me, fellas. Yep, thanks, up.
1: man. Appreciate it.
2: Now I would love to just see Craig Robinson just running <laughs> up the
0: tackles. <laughs> That's what we need. That's what we need. A nose tackle. <laughs> yeah. All right,
1: towel hung over the shoulder.
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: He's just yelling, take your panties off. I was a hell of a baseball player. He's pounding down. So maybe it translates to football. We'll be like a Bo Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. At the same time, I kind of would have liked to see us just run Deandre Swift into the ground and just like pound him until he couldn't anymore. And (laughs) just save some, uh, save some touches for Jameer Gibbs and Demo. But no, I'm just joking. (laughs) Deandre Swift first game of the season, 40 carries. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
2: Coach, I'm tired. Get your ass back in there.
3: (laughs) The the temptation is real after seeing him like pout at times on their run last year when they were winning all those games. And I mean, I don't know if he thought he could go or what it was. Like if he thought he could go and he wasn't getting enough enough touches or what it was, but like, yeah, man. Like, I, I, like, they did the right thing by doing right by him, but I totally, I totally get the, the temptation of just, it's like, a little right, bit man. of a, it's
1: a dick move, but yeah, just another Georgia bulldog is. going to the, to the Eagles. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing, man. But I mean, Georgia's solid. So I guess it's a, it's a move. Mostly on their defense, that's the first offensive player I think they got from Georgia on the roster now, but...
3: I love Howie Roseman. I love Howie Roseman's the uh, genius of the NFL now because he's just doing a copy-paste. Yeah, to the Kirby exactly. team. There.
1: I'll just take all these
2: Georgia players. And all these Alabama guys, and then wasn't it like a bunch of corners from Illinois?
1: <laughs> yeah, they took Sidney Brown, I think, too, and yeah, I, ha- I gotta <laughs> dig in and see what else they got, but majority was Georgia football players. I know that for sure, but... Let's move on here. DeAndre Swift, you will be missed. I will retire your jersey in my closet. I'm down to Frank Ragnow and... What else do I have? Hutch. Hutch. Yeah, Frank Ragnow and Aiden Hutchinson. That's the only active ones I have left, so i got to get some more here. But let's move on to pick 219. This is the pick we received in the DeAndre Swift trade, and we selected Antoine Green, wide receiver out of North Carolina. I mean, not a lot to say about this guy. I would not heard of him either, but... He's six foot two, 199 pounds. Another great athlete. He had a 8.68 RAS score out of 10. Ran a 4.47 40 yard dash. I think he's pretty similar to like the Marvin Jones or Josh Reynolds mold, uh, deep ball threat kind of guy. He's got solid speed and hands. Um, probably a long shot to make the the 53 man roster, but maybe he can develop on the practice squad and become like a special teamer. Um, there's a chance that he does make the initial 53 just with Jameson Williams' suspension, and Quintez Cephas is out of town too, but we do have some solid receivers on the, the depth chart right now, so he is kind of a long shot, but maybe he develops into something. we got like Tom Kennedy there too, and we have taken some of those late-round, undrafted free agent kind of guys and made them somewhat relevant, so I don't really expect much from him, and I don't think you guys do either big Tom Kennedy guys on the pod <laughs> KK, baby uh
3: yeah I you know <laughs> i uh I, I I was a bit familiar with them from his you know time at UNc uh watched them a bit um yeah you know like I I'm typically not a huge fan of like drafting these you know sort of projects guys that like, you know, these toolsy, like, you know, projects like potential X receiver types at like the back end of the draft. I don't know. It's just so it's just such a dart throw. Like, oh, ho- so I'd hope that, you know, he'd be able to um they see something in him, you know, as a special team or a gunner or something. Hopefully he can contribute some other way. Who fucking cares? It's a six round pick. You know, <laughs> but what am I going to say? <laughs>
1: yeah, I hear you but that's going to do it for our 2023 NFL draft class. We do have some undrafted free agents coming in that I got to look into a little bit more here, but again, probably long shots to make the roster, but we'll take a look at them once we get to OTAs and training camp. Um, But let's just kind of give our general thoughts here on this draft class, just kind of rehash what, for the most part, what we've already said. And I know that the narrative in a lot of those draft grades that are going out post-draft have the Lions as some of the losers in the draft, but I don't see it that way because if you look at this class in its totality, we got immediate contributors, like I said earlier, in rounds one through three. Whether it's a rotational piece or like a Hendon Hooker who's going to provide that backup depth with the the potential to one day become a starter for us. We got some solid pieces. You can say that we reached in the first and second round for guys, but Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell did not see it like that. They went and got their guys that fit our culture, and, I mean, they clearly have a vision and don't really care about positional value or how the mock drafts are shaping up. They scouted these guys, they had their big board, and they stuck to it. They didn't stray from that like some others do. They didn't get baited into some of these mock draft armchair GM experts trying to say this is the guy you should pick like Mel Kuiper because a lot of the times those they don't pan out. And Brad Holmes hasn't given me any reason to doubt him so far, so I'm going to stick with him. And the other thing is, too, I think that we're, we're set up very well for future need. Like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's going to be on that one-year deal. We got Brian Branch who can step in if we decide to part ways with him. Hendon Hooker is that insurance for Jared Goff with the potential to become a state to become a starter. And then the linebacker Staple like we have him for 10 years. Like that's what Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa head coach said that whoever drafts Jack Campbell is not going to let him walk out their doors for 10 years because he's that kind of guy. So if a coach is telling you out of, you know, he's a, an older guy that he's one of the best players that he's ever coached, I think that that is a good get right there. So you can say what you want about him, but Brad Holmes' type is clear is becoming a little bit more clear draft by draft and kind of the traits that he values and what he looks for, and that's speed, leadership, and culture. And I think that we did a good job of getting that. Yeah, I mean, our team got better. There's no way around it. Sure, you can argue, like, maybe if we took this player here instead of Jameer Gibbs or this player, if we traded back to get Jack Campbell, yeah, maybe, but we don't know how it would have panned out. Like Brad Holmes said, that there were teams who were looking to move up for – jameer gibbs and jack campbell was at the top of our board at 18. so we went out and got him. and we can't second guess their decision making we've got our players that's not going to change i am welcome them into the lions family yeah
2: and it's been going around the wire and everything just like if you took lions draft class and didn't see where they were taken and then reflected that over the mock. I mean nobody would be mad. It was just it's just the fact of where they were taken and that's why people get so mad and all the uh armchair QBs as I read on one of our comments on one of our posts uh some guy tried to roast us but <laughs> I mean uh whatever people get mad every year no matter who you take. You're never going to please everybody and I think they did a pretty damn good job.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's that's it exactly. I I I'm I'm letting, I overall, I see the end of the day, the takeaway is like everything that Brad Holmes has done to this point has made sense, right? Like he's, there's clearly a roadmap there, right? Like, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily choose the route that he take, but I mean like, Hey, he's the pilot and I'm I'm going to let him cook. And I think that he got a lot of the talent that we got. I mean, like you look at it at the end of the day, like they got, Clearly, because Bijan was not in the plans, they drafted the top back utility weapon on their board. They left with the top linebacker on their board, and, or and the top linebacker from the draft, and the number two tight end from the draft. I mean, in terms of high end talent, they they left with a lot. So, um, I not much to really be too upset about? I mean, people get upset about there. I mean, there's all the Gibbs talk, but I think at the end of the day, they left with the talent they wanted. Yep.
1: Yep. It started off rough, but I honestly truly have come to grips with it and I'm happy with this draft. Um, I'm not going to give it a grade or anything like that, just because we really don't know how these players are going to pan out. Only time will tell, but it's pretty clear to me that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell know that we are in a window to compete and we already have so many good young assets on the team, and with favorable contracts, so playoff team, no questions about it. You know, we were right there last year, and we have done nothing but improve our roster. So I think we have guys who can contribute immediately, and dare I say it, we can make a push for the Super Bowl. You dared.
2: <laughs> Book it! I'm in. It's definitely going to be a fun. It's definitely going to be a fun team to watch, and. I mean, like even though the Lions were uh, just what was it one game above 500 this past season, everybody was talking about them. They were one of the most electric teams to watch, mainly because they just got scored on so much that they were forced to score a ton. So that's probably what was very exciting: slamming overs and uh, our good boy Jake views slamming the uh, Jamal Williams touchdown every single game. <laughs> good move. So. So, I mean, it. it it's going to be a fun year again. Let's hope everybody stays healthy and we can work our way to an NFC North title. I won't jump to Super Bowl yet. I'm going to go baby stepping and, uh, yeah, go from there. Heads in the clouds. Don't
1: try and pull me down. We're going, baby. <laughs> but that's going to wrap it up for our 2023 NFL Draft Talk. We are going to close this chapter in the book move on. There's not going to be a whole lot of hot news coming up in the offseason, knock on wood. Um if it does come up, I hope it's nothing but good news. So let's take a look at our next segment here, and that is betting with the belly. Yep, we're back again with
2: another round of gambling. Um, to recap last week, we had a couple of draft props that we all took. Corbin with the first one, Jalen Carter under six and a half. That one did not hit, as you saw, him going at number eight. Uh, I hit mine. I had first tight end taken in the draft at Dalton Kincaid plus 115. So if you tailed the belly, you might have cashed in there. And then, John, talk about an offer. First bet he had Hendon Hooker to be in the first round. Nope. That was minus 165. You should almost have to pay the sportsbook back extra if he goes two rounds later than what you expected. C.J. Stroud to be the third quarterback taken, plus 150. He was actually second. Everybody kind of bought into that DraftKings slash Will Levis to the Texans bullshit hype, which... It just seemed like too good to be true. DraftKings had him just way up there, and then he ended up going in the second. And then Jalen Carter to the Lions at six, and, yeah, we've already covered that with the character issues maybe. We don't know. We're not in the room. But, yeah, so it was a tough one for the uh, us as a unit. But we're moving on to this week. Corbin, what do you got?
1: So well, not a lot of football bets that can be made other than Lions Super Bowl odds. Take a look at those. But I'm going to go with an NBA bet in honor of the NBA playoffs going on right now. Um, there are eight teams left in, in the running here, and the Celtics are the clear favorites. But the Western Conference has three solid teams in the Suns, Nuggets, and Warriors. Plus you got LeBron James still playing. You can never rule him and the Lakers out. Um, so I'm going to take the Western Conference to win the NBA Finals at plus 105. The East is at minus 130 just because of the Celtics, but I'm not buying into the Boston hype. The Bruins just got bounced, and I think that the Celtics are going to be a surprise upset there. Outside of them, there's not a whole lot of talented teams in the East. The Bucks got bounced. The Heat's still in it. The 76ers, I don't trust to, to win it all. So I could see the Suns, Nuggets, Warriors, and Lakers making a run here. Um, And I like those. Just having that plus sign is always a a good thing for me.
2: And you know what's awesome, Corbin? What? You already have someone in the finals. (laughs) Really? No matter what, you already have someone in the finals. Oh, true that.
1: I was like, what? That
2: hasn't happened yet. (laughs) I I thought you meant like the Western
1: Conference Finals. I'm like, what the fuck am I missing? I was off the grid this week, but... No, every year uh, back
2: when I lived in Royal Oak, my one buddy would take the Golden State Warriors at the beginning of the season and I would take the field. And my one buddy Mitch would always hype me up and he'd be like, Ben, that's awesome, man. You
1: already got someone in the finals, bro. That's great news. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Well, I did think about that just because I do like all of those Western Conference teams. So why not just take one of the Western Conference teams? in case I get one wrong, if the Nuggets get bounced or the Warriors or Suns or whatever. I probably would take the Suns if I did have to bet. They're all pretty close, I think, like, plus 6 or 700. They all got a fair shot at it, so.
2: Well, the best part is, for the other side, they got someone in the finals, too. It's just a fun bet all around when you take it this early. You never even know who's going to play. I'm going to cover Isaacs real quick, just as big thank you for coming on the show. While I book butcher this guy's name, okay, Bukayo Saka from arsenal's english premier league anytime goal scorer plus 200 against chelsea he's got a little uh analysis in here for me which i know nothing about chelsea are in a free fall and arsenal need a bounce back game after four straight games of dropping points saka is the most consistent performer and that is a hell of a take isaac love to hear it (laughs) joe what do you got for us
3: yeah yeah i uh i got a little footy on my board too um yeah, I uh this is a long shot play, but you know, if you want some some deep odds, uh Lucas Paqueta, West Ham attacking mid against uh Man City on Wednesday, plus six fifty anytime goal scorer. He's hit three he's scored goals in three of the last four. Man city's gonna be going up and down, you know. Hopefully, hopefully West Ham can at least uh, not get blanked and uh, uh, Lucas Piquetta. The way that the, the offense has been moving a little bit better, they've been scoring more goals. I think that's a as far as a when you're getting plus six fifty odds. I think I think that's a solid long shot play, just a one unit bet. Um, and then that West, that Western Conference. Um, give me the Lakers plus four and a half uh, for Game Two against the Warriors or Game One against the Warriors. Um, I don't know. I think gold. I think Golden State's going to be coming in with some dead legs. Um, Lakers. Lakers could at least keep it close here on the road against Golden State. I mean, Draymond will probably, uh, you know, kick someone's nuts in and get tossed and get the game off the rails. And you might get so drop the money line if you're feeling froggy. But uh, plus four and a half is is a nice buffer. It, it should be at least a game and watch me get buried on that. <laughs> um, but then uh and then uh Nuggets minus four against the Suns. Um game two. Uh we'll see. I think that the I think that uh Kevin Durant uh, may hopefully learn this year that you have to like play more than uh six regular season games uh with your team to threaten to win a ship. Uh the nuggets seem to be rolling. Uh Murray's got it together and Jokic is is putting it together and they're all gelling at the right time, I think. Minus four, smash it. And that will wrap up Betting with the boop belly
1: Excellent. Good to hear. Some nice bets in there. We have to pivot on these sports, man, and really get outside of our comfort zone a little bit. But I'm ready to get back into NBA bet and then uh, MLB as well. So we'll have some good ones in the future here. But let's take it over to you, Ben. You got uh, bowels of the belly for us. Let's crawl up in those guts and see what's inside.
2: Well, actually, we're going to throw you for a little curveball this week because I had quite the uneventful week. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take our yacht out into the ocean, dive deep in there, catch a fishing lure, get that fish scooped up, descaled, and filleted as we get into the boop, 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 boop of the fish.
1: Take <laughs> it away, Corbin. All right, sounds good. Well... As I said before, it wasn't really a traditional NFL draft weekend for me. Um, My brother just graduated from Michigan Tech up in Houghton, Michigan. So the whole family went up there to go and see him and congratulate him, see him uh, walk across the podium, get that diploma. So headed out uh, Thursday around noon with my my other brother, his girlfriend, and then my mom's sister and her boyfriend came up as well. so it's a long drive. It's probably like at least eight hours from Grand Rapids to Houghton. Um, normally I go in the wintertime and it's a blizzard, so sometimes it takes us like 10, 11 hours to get up there. Um, but we did not make the entire trek in one day. The uh, The first night we decided to stay in Marquette, which is about a two-hour drive from Houghton. And we had a hotel there and we were planning to watch the, the first round of the NFL draft at a sports bar at the hotel. But we elected to go to a sports bar around the corner. Um, we called ahead. They were playing it over the speakers and everything, and they said they weren't that busy. So we walk in, and it wasn't that busy. They were playing it over the speakers. It was a perfect situation. We got some nachos, some beers, and we were ready to go. So um, as soon as I walked in, I noticed they had this, uh, a bartender and a Justin Fields Bears jersey. So I noted that when I walked in, and the first round was underway. Everything was going good. Um, we get to Devin Witherspoon at five, and I was like, oh shit, what's gonna happen now? Lions trade out, and so I was like, shit, they definitely wanted Devin Witherspoon, and now we're moving back just to get somebody else. And I hear this Bears fan just chirping the entire time from behind me. He's a bartender working at the establishment. And the bears trade back, they get darn all right, and he's just clapping, Yeah, go bears, woo! And I'm like, okay, fuck this guy. And so then the lions are up at twelve. I'm like, okay, who's it going to be? Like, I was like on the Discord with you talking it over, but I was muted so you couldn't even hear me. I was thinking maybe it was Will Levis or maybe uh, Christian Gonzalez or something because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And good old Roger Goodell comes in and says, the number 12 in the NFL draft, the Detroit Lions select Jameer Gibbs. And I just went straight hands to the face and my whole family was quiet because they knew running back there like I mean obviously they don't know quite as much as I do but they knew I was not happy just by my reaction and getting a running back at 12. So I was just minding my own business and all of a sudden I get a clap on the back and I'm in my Lions jersey and my brother and my sister's boyfriend are in a Lions jersey too and he's just like hey man how about them Detroit Lions huh? And I just look up from my hands And he's just standing there five foot tall with this bullshit mustache and a shit-eating grin on his face. And I just go, shut the fuck up, dude. Get the fuck out of here. And he just, like, eyes went wide, just walked away, went behind the bar, was, like, pretending to wash dishes for the rest of the time. He did not come over and bother me again. And the whole time I'm just stewing, like, oh, man, I should have, like, been even wittier. I wish I could have thought of something even more clever. just wanted to fucking kill that guy. But we left uh, shortly after that to go to another bar, just to get out of that situation. Didn't want to have another interaction with that guy. Watched the Jack Campbell pick. it was fine. I came to grips with it. Whatever. Wait, wait, wait! He's probably, he's probably,
3: he's probably still there breaks. washing dishes.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's
2: take some breaks in between these bullet points so we can discuss. <laughs> so this guy, this guy worked there and you said, fuck you, straight to his face, and he yes, backed he down?
1: Dude, he's a cocky dickhead. I should have left him a negative Yelp review, and fuck that. Customer's always right. You can't be t- chirping your customers.
2: That's, that's true. Joe and I used to bartend and whatnot, and I feel like we would give the customer the benefit of the doubt for a little bit and probably would have went about it a different way, a little more subtle, a little more funny. But it sounds like he didn't have a door guy team of michigan state football players to be talking no, all he that did smack. Not. there was not a bouncer <laughs> in a, sight and a, it was
1: all just female waitresses <laughs> i think it was the only male employee in that entire bar so he would have been fucked and then you chose to, and then
2: you stayed there for like hours after for the rest oh, of the probably round. like
1: <laughs> two or three picks later we decided to go to another bar we just moved on we just paid our tabs and just went <laughs> to a different bar then did you tip him well, he wasn't our server. It was a waitress, and she didn't do anything. Wrong. Okay. Oh, oh, I thought you were at the bar. My mistake. No, we were sitting at our table. We had a waitress. He was just an outside bartender, just chirping the whole time, just being an annoying ass Bears fan, clapping it up for the Darnell right pick. And he, just, I didn't say a single word to him in the any entire time. He just pinpointed me, saw me in my despair and misery, and just thought that I wanted a clap on the back and to talk some shit right to me out of everybody in the bar. So damn right i said something that has to
2: be the most that had to be the most exciting thing that happened in that population
1: four thousand town in a while (laughs) marquette's actually pretty big it's a college town they got northern michigan university there so there were some other lions fans but he picked me out of everybody of course i'm going to say something but the next bar we went to there was they didn't even have the draft on they had like some nascar and I don't even know something else, and I had to ask them to put one TV on it for me. And then one of the other bartenders tried to change it back, and I was like, "Dude, I need that on, please." I'm literally the only one watching this one little TV behind the bar, just for me. And he changed it. <laughs> you have, I'm like, "You have no idea what you're doing, man."
2: It's like a nice 22 inch TV exactly. screen that you catch at like a like a takeout Chinese restaurant in the upper corner, that's just there for. Aesthetics. Wasn't even
1: hung up. It was like on. I would call it like a mantle behind the bar where it was it wasn't (laughs) even like mounted or anything it was like leaning up against the wall
2: (laughs) it's right next to the uv
1: blue and the sour mix (laughs) exactly yes exactly (laughs) so that was the one tv that i got and then they had plenty of other ones by the pool table and everything that were all set up and they were just watching some other bullshit so i got that one on for me we finished the first round and then we were out of there so but next day i had come to grips with it a little bit Research Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell, and I was feeling okay about the picks. It's ready for day two at that point, but uh, we went to like a, a casino. It didn't have like any dealers or anything there. It was just like a smaller Northern Michigan casino. So <laughs> I just played some blackjack and some roulettes and some slots. And I thought you were gonna say yeah, you were just playing a couple like the- hours.
2: I thought you were going to say you were just playing, like, the video poker at the bar that only the old ladies play while they're getting their, like, virgin strawberry daiquiris.
3: Keep them Tom (laughs) ones coming.
1: Well, they didn't have any dealers, so it was, like, a virtual blackjack and roulette. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't the one at the bars. I know what you're talking about. I didn't play that. It was, like, a special section with, like, TVs, and you could show what the hands were, and everyone else could watch and stuff. But, yeah, it was the type of the casino where I got a Bloody Mary in the morning. And they had, like, their own mix, so it was really good. And they pull out a beef stick out of, like, a straight Jack Link's beef stick and, like, <laughs> took it out of the wrapper and put it in my drink. <laughs> it was a good Bloody Mary, so I'm not going to knock it, but I thought that was funny. Like At least take them out and put them in a jar so people don't know you're getting a Jack Link's beef stick in your Bloody Mary. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so we were at the casino for a little bit. Went out to Houghton and it was an absolute blast. I had gone out there like the past four years. I usually go up there to snowboard. So this was my first time when there wasn't snow completely covering the ground. But it was just shitty nasty weather the entire time. Pretty cold, some rain. um, But we were just boozing the entire time and it was great. There's this one bar that they have there called The Dog. And we always go there to get Long Island iced teas. And also it's tradition to get their pickled jalapeno eggs. But this time I have an ingenious idea. I ask for an egg island, which is a jalapeno pickled egg inside of the Long Island. And we just lined up like eight egg islands and it was an absolute uh-huh. blast. We would just pick the egg out, eat it, and then we would just drink our Long Island iced tea. Sure, it could have came on the side, but that defeats the point of the egg island. So I think we made a new staple for him there. It was a, a good first night. It's kind of a little bit of a having a hard time remembering exactly what happened that first night. Um, but there's this other place they just called a club. I don't even know what this place is called. But <laughs> I was with my younger brother, the one who graduated, and there's like a little sign on top of the um on top of the bar that just says is like a picture frame that said 20% gratuity will be assigned for any tabs left open. And so my brother's like Corbin, take that and I was like, Oh, okay. So I just, like, grab it off of the bar. Like, no bartenders are looking. I just, like, set it on my lap. I didn't, like, put it under my shirt or it or anything. It's just sitting on my lap. And then all of a sudden, a woman walks around the bar and, like, walks up to me. And she's like, hey, excuse me, could I have that uh, picture back? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And I just, like, grab it and hand it to her. And then she's like, okay, thanks. And I got to ask, like, why would, why would you try and take that? And I was like, oh, I wasn't trying to take it. I'm actually nearsighted, so I was just trying to read it. <laughs> He didn't, <laughs> she didn't buy it at all, so I just gave it back, and she was the owner, it turned out, so we just shot the shit with her. It was all in good fun. I didn't take the sign, but... So yeah, we went to the uh, the graduation ceremony the, uh, the next day. Um, there was no seats, but we did happen to find, like, a big press box that was wide open. So we're up in the very, very top of, like, this uh, arena that they had the ceremony in, with like office chairs and outlets and we had like our own little desk or anything as opposed to like the stadium seating that everybody else was in so showing up late it actually kind of worked out in our favor um, but we had already kind of pre-gamed a little bit with some drinks in the morning and anything there we unfortunately forgot to bring anything to the ceremony with us but that's okay we went back to the uh, the graduates house afterwards and we we're making margaritas um, we also picked up a nice six-pack of Smirnoff Ices From the liquor store which came in handy and if you don't know about icing somebody it's when you hide a bottle of that super sugary Smirnoff ice somewhere and anybody who finds it has to immediately get on a knee and chug it so we went about trying to get some people and we were doing pretty solid my initial uh, target was my brother I hit it in a cake box and asked him to take a look at the cake he saw right through it and I didn't get him with that and so we were trying to set him up for an ice and it turns out these, like, Honey Dijon chips, like these Honey Dijon kettle chips, I'm, I'm going to look up the brand right now, but they sell online for $35 a bag because you, you just can't find them anywhere. So we found these kettle chips at this liquor store we got the ices from, and we grabbed, like, five bags, and we were going to sell them. So we took one of the bags inside, and I was told that my brother was trying to find or my brother was trying to eat some of these chips and my sister's boyfriend wouldn't let him have the chips. And so I was like, Oh dude, like, well, he actually thought of the idea what we should do is put one of the ices in the honey Dijon kettle chip bag. And then when he comes up to try and reach for one, boom, the ice is right inside the chip bag. So we were just like picking some chips out and eating them. And he walks up and he reaches right into the bag and you see him fumbling around and then you see him freeze. And sure enough, He lands right on that Smirnoff ice and we did get him after all. So that was fucking awesome.
2: The worst ice I've ever gotten. I remember one kid just didn't know how to play the game. Uh, He's like, yeah, can you go grab me a beer out of the cooler? And like, I open up the cooler and I grab a beer. He's like, I just iced you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, (laughs) yeah, there's an ice in the cooler. I'm like, that's where it belongs.
3: It's it's just on site. Anytime anyone sees a Smirnoff ice, it's just gotta Gotta be. Next
2: next time we go to the liquor store, Joe, I iced you like 196 (laughs) times over. (laughs) See that case? Yeah.
3: But I I actually, uh, I had a buddy that uh, we gave him a bunch of flack for, but he would always get mad because he liked, and he enjoyed drinking Smirnoff ices and people were always taking them out of his fridge and fucking with people and you know like putting them in like weird in like the toilets or wherever the hell and he's like these are my drinks please stop getting rid of my <laughs> my drinks <laughs> like, I have nothing to drink.
2: <laughs> who is this joe
3: uh buddy of mine from uh ann arbor uh ah, yeah i don't know your crew there yeah well was he at your wedding i i was i Oh, man, I, I really you know set the town up for failure there with that Smirnoff ice. Uh, but <laughs> <what>? <laughs> yeah, where's he from? Oh, man, I should I should
1: have pivoted. <laughs> okay, and moving on. Different school. Yeah, different lot. school. I got a lot to cover here. I got some bullet points down. So after the uh, the kettle chip icing, we did some helium balloon karaoke. They had like a big graduate balloon. And somebody put Nelly grills on the speaker. And so we just stood in a circle and we inhaled the helium and we just wrapped grills by Nelly. And then we just had like four people going. It was fucking awesome. That was hype. Um, But after that, we decided to move on, take the party to a bar. So we went to this other bar called the Downtowner, um, which is one of our usual drinking holes. And it was probably around like three, four o'clock at this point. So night's just getting started for some, but not for us. We were pretty tanked at this point. So we walk in and I see this guy sitting by himself at the end of the bar. Looks like a local, most likely. Don't want to judge, but it seemed like he was a local. Um, It's a college town. So if you're usually an older person by yourself, it's a pretty safe bet. There's not a lot to do there other than just go to the bar and get drunk. So my sister and my mother are walking in front of me and I see this, you know, older guy just like staring at them. And, you know. All respect to handicaps, but I believe that the guy had Tourette's because (laughs) he looks at them and he just gives like a chirp like, nah. And I was like, what? And so then I walk and I walk past him. So I just hear from behind me, nah. Again, I was like, okay, I think the guy might have Tourette's here. So we all go and sit down at our table and we're probably like five feet away from him. And he just turns around waiting for us to get seated. And I know he's going to say something and he does. He's like, hey, like, what are you guys doing here? Like, you're not from around here. And I was just like, yeah, I just came in town for my brother's graduation, man. He's just like, all right, yeah, cheers, guys. And he looks over at my other brother saying cheers. And we literally just sat down, didn't have a drink yet. And <laughs> my brother says to him, yeah, I don't have a drink yet, man, but cheers. And as soon as he's done saying that, he goes, oh, fuck you. My brother goes, okay then. (laughs) He just turned back around and kept on drinking. So that was an interesting interaction. We were only there for like a drink or two at that bar. So we moved on and uh, yeah, it was a rough night. Went back and got some more Egg Islands and we had a big dinner. I had like a big pasta dinner with like blue cheese sauce. It was not a good decision and we'll get to that later. But Egg Islands, pasta for dinner, I am feeling full as hell all night. Yeah, come to find out, after I left, I I was crossing the bridge to go back home. It was probably, like, 1 a.m. at this point, and I was gassed. We'd just been, like, through a three-day bender, and so went home because I knew we were leaving in the morning. Um, Come to find out that he ordered two Long Islands from the, uh, the dog where we did the Egg Islands originally. He ordered two, he grabbed them, and he just dumped them over his head and took, like, a Long Island shower. I wasn't there to see that, but I went and saw him the next morning, and he looked like he took a shower with Long Island, so... Uh, clearly a wild night but this is where the story kind of takes a turn for the worse I'm normally a pretty you know heavy sleeper when I drink I never have gotten like hangover sickness or anything like that and I don't think I've puked from alcohol in years but woke up in the middle of the not night, me well, <laughs> it doesn't really happen to me I'm usually pretty good about it but I woke up in the middle of the night and I just want to get some water so I go to the kitchen And I get some water, and I go back, and my mom is sleeping in the room next to me. I hear her go into the bathroom. I go and lay back down in my bed, and I realize, like, oh, my God, like, I got to puke right now. So I get up, and there's no bathroom to go to. So I go to the sink, and I realize there's no, like, garbage disposal. It's just like a small little drain. So I'm like, nope, can't do it. Go to the trash can, puke into there. No good, like, liquid. And so I go back and lay down in bed. My mom leaves the bathroom at this point. Like she's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine." So I'll go and lay back down in bed, and I'm like, "Oh my god, now I have to take a shit." I go to the bathroom, and I take a shit, wipe, flush, and as soon as I'm standing up, I realize, "Oh my god, I'm gonna puke again." And so I didn't want to puke into the freshly shat in toilet, so I puke into the sink. And after about, like, two hurls, I realized, like, wow, this shit is not draining right now. So I go to the toilet, ended up puking in the Shadden toilet anyways, and this stuff is just not fucking going down. So there's no, like, little plunger to, like, kind of, like, move the drain up and down and try and drain it down. So I had to, like, reach in with my hand and just, like, plunge the sink. <laughs> oh. It's not working. <laughs> I won't go into the details too much. It could be worse. You already <laughs> did! No, yes. uh, I, I, I did not. I really didn't, I promise. It was not good. Had to take, like, a toilet plunger and plunge the sink, clean it out the best I could, went to bed for the rest of the night, and I was good to go.
2: Oh, no, you always puke in the shat toilet. You just you just gotta uh, <laughs> you never go in the sink. <laughs> See, I haven't done it in
1: so long. It was a rookie mistake. I'm just not used to it.
2: And sometimes the uh, the smell will get that full eject-o-sito, because and then you just clear the pipes.
1: Yeah, but uh, it doesn't quite end right there. <laughs> Joe's face. <laughs> yeah, it was not the uh, the, way, the best way to be corp.
3: The way the way you strung those poppy adjectives together for the most vile <laughs> acts I've heard. Just go ahead, <laughs> carry on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the, almost a grand finale, but this one isn't uh, that crazy. We went to Mackinac Island as like a little pit stop last night, so we spent the night there. Um, but if you ever been to Mackinac Island, there's no cars or anything. You just ride bikes, and they have a bunch of like horse-drawn carriages and stuff. And so there's always a bunch of shit in the streets. So you take a ferry to the island. Um, you have everything in like a luggage cart. You grab it. We go to the hotel we were staying at. It's a very like it's like a house, like a larger house, essentially this hotel. So my mom goes in to check into the rooms, and we all just kind of set our stuff down on the sidewalk. She gets the keys. We go up to the rooms. I'm sharing a room with my mom, and then the other four are just sharing a room together. Um, so we go into our room. They go into theirs. And I didn't see this happen, but apparently my sister's boyfriend took his bag and just threw it onto the the bed they were sleeping on, and then when he took the the uh the bag off, he realized that his entire blanket was covered in shit. So he set his bag directly down in shit and just threw it on the bed. And these places like the front desk leaves at like five PM so if you lose your key you are shit out of luck. So he uh luckily got down there with like minutes to spare to have housekeeping send up another blanket for him, but he almost had to sleep in a shit bed <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this was a terrible trip <laughs> um it was actually a fucking awesome trip some some bad things happen but it all worked out you know they, they
3: think they think mackinac island's just all fudge and bike rides but
1: <laughs> Turns out it's just hey, it's there's fudge. the shit end
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but it was a good trip we're back here now i'm definitely uh and the price a little bit today. I didn't really booze too hard last night, so I'm feeling a little bit better. But it was a brutal drive. I'm glad we split it up into twos both ways. Otherwise, I don't even know how I'd be doing right now. Um, but yeah, an eventful trip, an eventful draft. It was a hell of a weekend.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure when we're gonna do our next episode. We're thinking about a month, maybe smaller, uh, depending on the news that comes out. If we got something to talk about, or we'll just do another bonus episode like we did. Uh, over the bye week special, but I wanted to do a big thank you to Isaac and Joe for filling in for our favorite guest, John, as he uh, gets his first night off after being a dad. So, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you guys and thank all the followers. And, um, yeah, Joe, you got any closing, closing statements for the boys?
3: No, not much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on, as always.
1: Yes, of course. Thanks for coming on, Joe. I know Isaac was happy to do it as well. We'll get John back for the next one. Hopefully in like a month or so, we'll have enough content to go around. But this is kind of the dead time. So if something pops up, we'll just do, like a, like Ben said, a little bonus episode here. But let's wrap it up with that. Thanks again for listening, guys. If you haven't already, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you to listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars and follow us on Twitter. I'm at LikeCorbyYashi. We also have the Belly and the Fish Instagram and Twitter accounts going. Make sure you follow that Instagram because we will be dropping some dates for our future episodes. Continue to send us some uh, DMs and texts for any ideas on segments that you'd like to hear over the off season, and keep spreading the good word. Tell your friends, family, co-workers, and anyone and everyone you can think of. We really appreciate the love and support, guys.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you soon.
1: With that said, <coughs>